All righty. We got uh, Cameron Clark on here. We should have a couple other people hopping on. You know, playing around the sports with a Z, how I'm going to deliver this content. Maybe it's not breaking news. Maybe it's not a full 45-minute pod, but it's a topic I want to discuss right now, and I think a lot of other people may want to discuss. I want to get to the bottom of this Baker Mayfield discussion. I'm glad Michael Newman has joined. I'm going to invite him up to speak, too. Um, I'm just going to go invite everybody up to speak if anybody wants to join. Uh, but we were just having a heated text exchange, uh, Cameron and myself. Cameron is a diehard Oklahoma Sooners fan. And he's a big Baker fan. And we both feel a little differently. And, and I just want to get to the bottom of this. And uh, everybody can go and just unmute yourself. Cam, I know this is your first time on calling. You know, you can just tap the microphone. Yeah, there we go. And then we're just, let's just get off to the races. Cameron, welcome. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, Michael, glad, glad you're on. Um, yeah. Glad to and, join. And we got Andrew on too. Um, so here's, here's my take. And Michael, I, I got into it a little bit on your show earlier. I think Baker Mayfield is a talented quarterback. That said, I'm skeptical because of how much his play has fallen off whenever Odell Beckham Jr. is on the field. And my point being, I've, I went back and looked at it, some of the best young quarterback wide receiver pairings, and there's just no evidence of any elite quarterback's play falling off when an elite wide receiver is on the field. And I want to give Cameron the floor to start, and then we will all jump in because Cameron has the exact opposite opinion. And then I want to hear what everybody has to say. So, Cameron, why don't you present what you think, and 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 we'll see we'll see how everybody feels about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I have the exact opposite opinion. I I would say that there isn't merit to the argument right now, but there will be is is where I'm coming from, and and I say that because you look at and we mentioned this on our exchange, correlation versus causation, right? You look at when OBJ came to Cleveland, right? Baker's coming off a great rookie year. Um, he has Jarvis Landry. Obviously, they added some weapons that year, but it still wasn't nearly the team that it is now. You add Odell, but more importantly, you bring in Freddie Kitchens, and you have a front office who has been documented, uh, you know, butting heads, People with ulterior motives coming in. Freddie Kitchens has no idea what he's doing. So, you know, he's going back and he's listening to too many voices. This is all, I wish I could cite the article right now, um, but there are a number of, of articles, articles that have been published about just sort of the disaster among the coaching staff and the front office and the relationships there. And my point in saying you know, all of this is the Browns as a whole were terrible that year. Baker was terrible his second year. And a lot of a lot of good QBs would have been terrible in that situation. And to say that Odell Beckham is the cause of that just doesn't make any sense to me. And further to that, look, I understand Odell was around for what five five games last year, and Stefanski's been great. But if you look at the Browns, like they weren't an efficient passing team at the beginning of last year because they didn't, they're still learning the new offense. Baker's on his fourth head coach. You didn't see Baker's play dramatically improve until the last eight regular season games plus two playoff games of last year, right? So so really what we're talking about is anytime Odell has been on the field, the Browns have either been adapting to an entirely new system or in a form of horrible dysfunction. So to me to say Odell is a direct correlation to the cause or uh, Baker can't play with these elite wide receivers – and it's because that guy's on the field and it's his problem. 
is is just not a legitimate argument until we see what happens this year. Look, if, if Odell comes out this year and and Baker sucks, and then Odell comes out for a game, gets hurt something, and he's great again, then this is a, a serious point to be discussed. But to me, right now, it's just a lot of outside factors where Odell was on the team, Odell was playing, and and Baker was not good to. Uh, to everyone else's and all the critics' credit, of course, he was, he was horrible his second year. He was he was out of shape too. It wasn't all Freddie Kitchens, right? He wasn't the same quarterback he is now. But but with that being said, I just don't understand this this Odell Baker. I think it's it's way overblown, and I think we're going to see this year why. And I think we're going to see them operate okay. differently in a, in yeah. a functional, uh, you know, just sure well oiled offense. Yeah, well, Cameron, thanks for for setting the table for that. And now just anybody, if anybody wants to jump in, just unmute yourself and start talking. Zach, Zach, it's, you know, I think Cam is probably right. This is the the intelligent, the intelligent answer and, and the most likely reason. Um, you know, the, the, the intelligent answer is probably that there really is no relationship and that we should give it more time. Maybe, maybe there is actually, though, a, a, a simpler answer, which is that, Odell just isn't as good as he thinks he is. And so when he's on the field, he gets, uh, you know, he sort of demands the ball. He's going to be a really challenging locker room presence to have around if he doesn't get the kind of targets that he wants. And so Baker feels a lot of pressure to feed him, you know, feed him the ball, even if he doesn't necessarily deserve it. I mean, he's, he's close to 30 at this point. Uh, you know, he was probably the best receiver in the league for a couple of years when he was in New York, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And I don't know that he's, uh, he, he's, his you know self perception of himself is really caught up to reality. Yeah, but isn't it Baker's job as the quarterback to not give into that? Isn't that the quarter? Uh, Odell can ask for the ball at the end of the day. Baker's the decision maker, isn't it? You know, if Baker. Oh, it's yeah. it's it's Baker's it's Baker's problem, but he, Odell does not make it easy on him because the guy I I imagine when he's not getting ten targets a game or whatever is a complete asshole in the locker room. Okay. That's fair. A- anybody else want to? I rest my case. <laughs> well, Cameron, I mean, that's kind of what, or on it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's pretty funny. Uh, if you think about, at least from the coaching staff perspective, Stefanski kind of already dealt with this to some extent in Minnesota with Diggs. I don't think Diggs is as big of a diva as Odell has been. Um, but I mean, if you remember there, Diggs was pretty upset with his, uh, his whole situation and they ended up, uh, I don't know, do they trade him after Stefanski left? Um, but either way, I mean, that, that last season Stefanski was there, I think, uh, Diggs was, uh, you know, not as effective as, or even just used as much as he, uh, as clearly his talent, uh, probably won. And, and something I would, I would build off of what, uh, what Andrew said too, is, if you're if you're in a a well-run organization with a good offensive scheme, the onus shouldn't even be fully on the quarterback to be making these like target share decisions, right? Like if you're if you're in an offense that's running properly, like you should just have set plays going in and you run your reads and you throw the ball to the open guy, like based on whatever's being called, right? And and obviously there's there's some there's shared responsibility there, but to me it's not all on the quarterback. Um, and that's not every play, but I, I just think to some extent, like part of the reason you saw like a lot of that is because the, 
in, in the Browns and Baker's second year when OBJ joined is they had no offense. They had no offensive scheme. They had no plan. They had a bunch of people with conflicting ideologies in the head of the head coach. And so then all the onus comes down to the quarterback to, to, to what's going to happen on the field when it's just a complete mess out there. You know, who am I going to throw the ball to? What am I going to do every play? If we're not a well-oiled offense and we don't have a plan, yeah, it's going to, the decision-making is going to come down more so to the quarterback. You're going to have like a, an Aaron Rodgers type situation, say in an off year where he's just running around slinging the ball everywhere. Um, that's a bad example because he's obviously one of the you know, greatest of all time and he managed to do that successfully anyway, even without weapons. But um, yeah, point being, I just think that like you shouldn't even be in a situation if you're, if you're a good football team where the onus is entirely on the quarterback to, to be making those like target share decisions. Like that should partially come from offensive scheme. Sure. Uh, Michael, do you, I, I would think you'd have some. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> Although I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit neutral. Uh, I, I'm probably less pro Baker than Cam is, and and more pro Baker than than you are uh, <laughs> at this point. I think we were talking earlier about how, you know, last year the Browns took the leap from bad to good, and now we're asking them to take the leap from good to great, and that's sometimes a much harder journey to complete. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, when a team is very bad, and the Cleveland was very bad two years ago, uh, there's nowhere to go but up. And they have righted the ship in a lot of ways. The roster talent's been improved. The coaching's been improved. They have the right coach. Um, so the question, and and it's true that we didn't see much of Odell last year. So there, we don't know for sure <laughs> that Odell wouldn't have also made a leap in this offense last year if he'd been healthy and available um, I do tend to think he's probably on the downslope of his career, uh, but we don't know that for sure. You know, they, they, uh, re- the man who referenced uh, Stefan Diggs, um, that's an interesting one because he obviously blossomed in Buffalo last year uh, alongside Josh Allen's meteoric rise to elite quarterback status. And I've often felt like Odell just doesn't quite fit in Cleveland. It's not really a Baker issue. It's just it's not the right place for him. Um, but if he's still there, they, they, I, I told you earlier, I thought they were going to consider trading him somewhere. He would be a nice piece of trade bait. You mentioned the cap issues with that, which are valid, but I just, I think we'll find out this year, whether in Stefanski's much more, uh, appropriate offensive scheme, if, if, uh, Odell can, can thrive with Baker or not, but I wouldn't put the onus entirely on Baker to make that work. Yeah, and, and, and just I looked it up on it. Uh, Stefanski and Diggs last year was both their first year off the Vikings. So there was no there was no time on on the Vikings where there was one or the other. They were always there together. So um, I don't know if that helps or. I, I think also in Minnesota, it was it was more about how reliable a receiver Adam Thielen was as a as a possession target. Versus Diggs, who they really kind of only used him as a big play guy. And he wasn't, uh, you know, when it was third and five or six or seven, they were looking for Adam Thielen. And and you can sure. very much parallel sure. that over to Jarvis Landry as well. I mean, and I, I would argue that at third and five, six and seven, I'm probably looking to Jarvis 
first a lot of the time, if not more than Odell, just given like his reliability as a receiver in those short to mid-range throws. Sure. Um, does anybody, I know, I, I invited everybody to speak, so nobody obviously feel pressure, but when we got Ryan, William, Charlie, I don't, I know Ryan's a Spurs fan, but I don't know uh, how much he dives into football, but does anybody else want to add on to this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably follow college football more than I do the NFL, and uh, as a uh, as a diehard Longhorn, it really hurts to say that I'm actually uh, a fan of Baker Mayfield, um, but one question I would sort of, you know, pose to the group is if you sort of look at kind of his path to the NFL, you know, he walks on at Tech, transfers to OU, you know, obviously does magical things under Lincoln Riley, but you know, you can, I think, reasonably question, um, you know, his sort of, you know, whether or not he's genuinely like a freak of nature athlete. And so, um, you know, just given that he sort of, you know, was drafted into a place where, you know, elite college quarterbacks were, you know, had been going to die for almost a decade and he sort of stabilized this team. You know, I, I really don't think, um, sort of any any of the any of the blame here can <clears throat> really fall on him i think um you know if we, if we look at sort of the dynamic between um wow. you know baker obj or whatever you know i think i think the point about odell being a big ego and maybe that that screws with the offense or whatever is probably valid well, Cameron, uh, i think you are the winner of this uh of our fiery debate i think the the cool heads have spoken and really the more rational heads. Um, I always try to avoid hyperbole, but as any sports fan, I have my opinions. They're not always right, but you know, it sounds like (laughs) whoever liked that, Um, you know, you guys have convinced me just to, you've convinced me to not jump to conclusions. What I will say though is it's now time for Baker to step up. There's no more excuses. And this was the last thing I texted you, Cameron. He now has the coach. He has a year of playoff experience. People are off his back. Um, it's time for him to step up. And w- let's see what happens with Odell this year. And Odell could still be a problem. But, I mean, does I think I've captured kind of what people are thinking. Dude, I mean, what else you got, Cam? What, what are you thinking? Yeah. No, I mean that's my last my last thing. I would say you're not wrong or right. I'm not wrong or right. I don't think we know that until this season. Sort of what you're going off of there. Um, but I would say, in terms of the the people saying now now it's time for him to step up, he did step up last year. I do want to say that now now it's time to evaluate what the deal is with Odell Beckham. And he needs to, con- but I would I would rephrase that as he needs to he needs to continue uh, playing the way he's been playing because I mean we saw we saw eight games and a couple playoff games where he was a fantastic NFL quarterback in my opinion, and so I don't think it's a now or never he needs to step up. I just think it's a he needs to keep the ball rolling, and we're definitely going to see about OBJ because especially because they've already have that momentum to see if it gets disrupted or if it just keeps, keeps moving forward. I mean, quick, I'm actually curious what you all think. While we have a, a decent round table here, um, 
totally different play styles, but Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, who would you rather have? I think Josh can still be a little reckless with the ball, but would you rather Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen? Josh Allen by a mile. Really? Josh Allen is uh, elite. I don't think Baker Mayfield is elite. He took the step to elite last year. I think Josh Allen, during the course of the regular season, somewhat outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he did not in the playoff game. But uh, if, if Aaron Rodgers was, was the sure. undisputed MVP of the league last year, I think Josh Allen should have been second. I, don't, I think he was third in the voting behind Mahomes. But I would say uh, his play last year was spectacular. And and more consistently so, slightly than Mahomes. Obviously, we're, we're comparing a Rolls Royce and a and a Bentley here or something like that. But I think no, I I would absolutely uh, take Josh Allen over Baker. That's not a, necessarily a knock on Baker. I think Baker's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I don't think he has the spectacular raw talent that Josh Allen has, and that Brian Dayball has been able to develop into a into an elite quarterback. But somebody mentioned he was uh, a Baker was uh, not the most athletic quarterback. He's fairly athletic, but kind of middling in that he's not particularly fast and he's not particularly uh, big armed in the way that Josh Allen is. Josh Allen could throw it through a wall, but that isn't everything. He was reckless and raw coming into the league. Baker was more polished, obviously in a much better collegiate program. But I think, uh, look, if Baker Mayfield had Brian Dable as his offensive coordinator, he'd be considerably better than he is. Would he be where Josh Allen is? I couldn't say for sure. But uh, I can only go on the basis of what I saw, what 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 play I saw on the field. And Josh Allen yes. took the leap last year that uh, Baker still still has a couple of steps to get to. Yeah, so I mean, I, I want to keep this under 20 minutes because I think I want this to be a conversation people would, I don't have to post highlights for, and, or I can just post one and people just listen all the way through. But I think something to think about going forward is as Baker's kind of getting his do-over, you know, how does he stack up against these younger quarterbacks who we have kind of dismissed or ha- have dismissed him for, um, and, and to see how that changes. Uh, but because I, I'm sure if Josh Allen had be drafted number one overall, um, his story would be very different. True. I think if you read, if you redid that 2018 draft, Allen and Lamar Jackson would be taken before Baker or Sam Darnold, or certainly Josh Rosen, who's just barely clinging to a career in the NFL. Uh, but you know, that you really can't judge a draft until about three, four years down the line. Uh, maybe the more interesting question is, uh, between, say, Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. We're going to see them play early in the season, I think the fourth or fifth. Oh, I, I think from a talent perspective, Herbert's just... I tend to superior. agree, although he's only, you know, uh, we have to see the, the, the second year before I... And and Anthony Lynn, no, he, he wasn't uh, Freddie Kitchens or Hugh Jackson, but Anthony Lynn was no elite coach himself, and Justin's Justin oh, stepped no. in there and took the lead by storm. I don't, I need to see a lot more from Baker before I would. Ne- Baker had also has a three year, two, three year head start on Justin. Like, I, I think that's, uh, yeah. I agree. I, Herbert, Herbert to me, uh, if I see anything like I saw last year in year two, I'm going to anoint him a lead. Herbert, Herbert, Herbert is closer to Josh Allen than Baker is, and Josh Allen has two or three years on Herbert. Yeah. And that's why I think the conversation, even though it might not be closer either, 
it's closer between Baker and Josh just because they're on the same timeline and you can try and adjust. I think Herbert's, yeah. Um, I would, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I don't, don't want to put this too over time. I can't believe I'm putting this on record, but I would take, if, if you're giving me last year's Josh Allen, I would take Josh Allen. Uh, for me, if, if Herbert repeats what he did his rookie year, I would take Herbert, but I just don't ever want to make that take off of one year. Um, but I do want to say this. Sure. It's, it's very easy to, and it's obvious that you say guys like Herbert, Josh Allen, right? Bigger, faster, totally understand those elements. I, I do want to point out arm strength and ball placement, though. Um, if you look at the, and this may have changed, but at the time of uh, Baker, Allen, that class drafted, uh, the top throwing velocities ever in the combine Number one is Patrick Mahomes. Tied for second are Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. He he has an arm. He has a huge arm, and you haven't necessarily seen that. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. There's a PFS stat, or if not number one in that the the run in the second half of last season on deep throws. Not Josh Allen, not Mahomes. His like deep throw conversion percentage was the highest in the NFL. And so in terms of arm talent, he's not lacking at all. In terms of size, pocket presence, of course, I mean, it's, it's night and day between those guys. And again, I would still take last year's Josh Allen um, as much as it pains me to say that on the record forever. But <laughs> uh, I do want to point out that I think sometimes it maybe is just his height, his lack of speed and things of that nature sort of underrate his ability with his arm. Um, People just tend to lump it that all into one package, but he has the arm as much as anyone out there. Well, if Odell Beckham Jr. would uh, contribute more, we'd probably see more of that arm uh, on display. I mean, uh, they brought in Odell to be his Tyreek Hill or Stefan Diggs or that kind of player, and it's just what he has. He's not given them that kind of production yet. But uh, uh, and and uh, Michael, uh, I, I want to hear because I haven't listened to. Uh, the rest of your episode yet for for those listening to the recording michael as you all know is the host of newman's own end zone the second most subscribed podcast uh in this sports department and one i'll always be chasing but um i'm curious like what what was the outcome of you know what are your thoughts on baker for this season and, and what this browns team is capable of well, as you know, I picked the Cleveland Browns to win this division. Uh, I, I went through their schedule. I gave them 12 wins, possibly 13. Uh, I, I settled on 12 to be conservative, but I think there's room maybe for one more game. We kind of went through it, Zach and I, and, and once they get past that opening game at Kansas City, where it's going to be very difficult to beat Andy Reid in week one of the season, uh, they got a lot of W's coming after that. A lot of very winnable games against teams like Houston and Denver and Arizona and Minnesota and uh, and we had we had them probably ten and one, yeah. nine and two at one point in the season. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and that that was that was us showing respect to like the Ravens and Steelers. Cameron, just to give you perspective, like really the only game on the schedule we looked at the Browns and wrote more than fifty percent confident they will lose was the opener to the Chiefs. Other than that, you know, I mean they're not going to go sixteen and one, but. You know, there's a discussion we have for them to win every game other than that. So that's Yeah. The the difference maker will be the really the additions they made on on defense over the off season, as I'm sure you guys probably discussed. I mean, that's really they tightened up big time in the secondary and added Clowney. So uh 
they're not to be messed with. And I agree with that. Going into Arrowhead week one, expectations are, are not high there. But yeah, the, the rest of their schedule is certainly, and especially with a, a weaker Steelers team, a, a Bengals team, sorry, on that, that's still just not there. Um, they definitely yeah. they definitely got a lot of W. Well, I agree with you. The Steelers are, are weaker. I don't know if Zach does. He had to leave my podcast before I got to talking about Pittsburgh. I, Pittsburgh, to me, feels like they're going to be right around 500, 8 and 9, 9 and 8, something like that. But uh, uh, I just don't believe in their offensive line. I, I think there's been some attrition. Defense is still good, but some attrition there. And I just don't buy that Ben Roethlisberger suddenly woke up at 39 and decided to get in shape. Uh, I think I think uh, proper nutrition and and training is something you got to start at the beginning of your career, not at the end. So uh, just not really buying them. I think Baltimore is probably the main opponent for Cleveland, but uh, I like Cleveland to win. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree there. I just think if you, in order to have like a true Ben Roethlisberger rejuvenation, uh, you can't have that offensive line going backwards at thirty nine and. So I think that's just going to be a problem for them all season. Agree. Cool. Well, I, you know, I think this is a natural stopping point. Uh, this is longer than I expected, but uh, appreciate Cameron hopping on, Michael as always, and and Anvit chiming in. I would have been in the beginning. Um, again, this is another segment. Now I have I have my regularly scheduled shows, or once a week, typically on Sundays. I have my four minute foresight where I rapid reactions to breaking news and this is a new thing i'll, I'll test out uh random round table i think us as sports fans sometimes things just come up and you want to talk about it but you want a forum and a civilized discussion and what this was what colin was designed for uh it's a great idea i love it thanks michael i, I always appreciate it uh, appreciate your support um everybody subscribe to newman's own end zone if you haven't already uh, and Michael, you have a couple other non-sports shows. I want to give you the floor real quick here, I, I, and one with quite an interesting name. So, I'll let you oh, take well, us I home. Mean, I, yes, I, I, my sports pod is Newman Zone End Zone. Uh, Newman Zone, just playing Newman Zone, is a, a movie pod primarily. Although we could always expand to talk about a TV show or some cultural or artistic uh, topic. And then I created one just uh, with the with the launch of uh, of Call In uh, globally. Uh, called brain farts <laughs> and it really is just uh you know any random uh, crazy idea that pops into my head i uh, didn't want i didn't want to add that on to newman's own to, to create confusion about what that's about no but please please announce to my audience with the name of your most recent episode because i it cracks me <laughs> up oh well you know brain farts is going to ask all the tough uh, ethical challenging ethical and moral questions such as would you cut off your penis to stop the next hitler and if that is uh, a topic that interests uh, you, I highly recommend. Oh man, uh, <laughs> there is there is an explanation for why that question popped into my head. It's based on a, an event in the news, but it is uh, it is quite uh, quite uh, uh, an interesting discussion that we had there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well, with that, Michael, thank you, Cameron, thank you, uh, everybody. This has been a new segment for Sports with the Z. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Knighty. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you all Sunday to talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the NFC West. So please tune in for that if you are at all interested. Uh, as always, my policy is anybody who wants to speak. I don't take callers. I invite people to the floor to talk because that's how sports should be done. No one should be muted. Everybody should say what they want to say. 
of course, with reason and with critical insight. Uh, with that said, thank you, everybody. Uh, enjoy your Fridays and I'll see you in a couple of days.